Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Huskies on Tap, a podcast for the Huskies by the Huskies, presented to you by Fatty's Pub and Grill and brought to you by On Tap Sportsnet. I'm your host, Brandon Suarez. You can follow me on X at BeatOn300. You can follow our main account at Huskies on Tap. First episode of the season, we are back. It is Boston College Week. I'm excited, man. I am very excited for this football team. I'm excited for the growth and maturity. Another year under Coach Thomas Hammock. Final year of Rocky Lombardi. We get Trayvon Rudolph back. And we got two Power 5 opponents that I think that we can hang with and knock off for some boneyard victories. First and foremost, um, you're obviously wondering, you know, it's it's been a while. It's been probably about a month or two since we talked, and we didn't really do a lot of off-season interviews uh, this year. I had a very busy off-season. I ended up actually moving out of DeKalb, and for those of you that know, um, I had I actually had my mom living with me as she was battling cancer for the third time uh, here in her life, and my mom, unfortunately, did not make it. Um, I lost my mom here in the middle of July. So that's where the hiatus comes in. It's been a long month, month and a half, just away from football, away from doing the podcast, away from doing everything. But my mom was a radio DJ in college. She's always on the air, always on the radio. She loved Husky football, like loved it, loved Rocky, loved coming to see the, the shows, uh, over at Fatty's and coming to see all the guys and introducing herself. And she she did want one thing from Rocky, and I'm going to have to get it from him this year, but she wanted one of his jerseys, and I'll have to get a, get a Fatty's one. But she uh, she loved watching this football team. She loved watching me cover this team and me grow uh, as, as a podcaster and, you know, a college football personality. And uh, – it's going to be tough without her, but I know that she would want me to continue to do the show and continue to grow um, and hopefully make that next step. And that's one thing that I want to do in my career here and, you know, coming up soon is have the ability to not just do this as a podcast or maybe one day you'll see me on a TV or the radio, but it is a tough situation and we'll get through this. Um, and I just look forward to getting back out there every Saturday at Husky Stadium. And and uh, we haven't locked in a day yet at Fatty's, but that, you know, that first show is obviously going to be very emotional for me. But I really just look forward to getting there for another year um, and just improving on that that NIU football community, because we do get a lot of people that come out to the shows and get an opportunity to meet the athletes, hear their stories, get to know them better and you know, if you've listened to this thing from the very beginning, dating all the way back four years ago now, my whole goal with this show and with this, you know, social media accounts for the, the Huskies on tap is to get the story of our athletes out there on a more human level, on a level that, you know, we're talking about their favorite football guys, their favorite, what their favorite food in DeKalb is, stuff like that. So just get to know these guys, the man behind the helmet and, and what our student athletes uh, bring to the table on and off the field. So with that being said, let's start, let's start it up. You know, I want to go through the entire schedule and then we'll go after the schedule and go through this matchup with Boston college to open up the season. But like I said, at the top of the show, um, you're bringing back Rocky Lombardi this year. We didn't have Rocky last year for the whole season. We lost him early on and, you know, you could really tell that there was inexperience in the quarterback room. But if you want to look at the positive side of that spectrum, Nevin Kremiscoli and Ethan Hampton gain so many meaningful snaps that when Rocky does leave, they'll at least have something under their belt and they're not just going to be throwing caution to the wind. To open up the season this Saturday, September 2nd, 11 a.m., we traveled up. We're, we're shipping up to Boston. Hey, yeah, we're going to Boston. We're, play, we're taking on Boston College. Phil Dracovic transferred out. No Zay Flowers, a team that we can beat. And honestly, I, I think the line was like 17 or 18. If you're living in a state that allows you to bet on the NIU Huskies, 
take the points, sprinkle the money line. I think this is a boneyard victory waiting to happen. Coach Hammock always prepares his team like no other for week one. And I think that while there isn't necessarily a hot seat for coach and for his coaching staff, I do think there is a little bit of added pressure this year, given the circumstances of, of the record last year and, and just how things turned out. Obviously we lost, um, defensive coordinator coach Jackson in the offseason he ended up going to Bowling Green so there was a little bit of turnover but this is this is coach Hammock's program and and I think that the way the guys fired through spring the way they've been talking through this fall camp there's no reason why we can't go into Boston and take one week one and I think that it's the perfect level of power five opponent for us to do so okay so we have that September 2nd 11 i'm mark i'm marking it as a dub i'm gonna give us a dub i'm gonna give us the benefit of the doubt week one week two southern illinois comes to town in state game not necessarily a rivalry as they're an fcs program but come hell or high water we are not leaving husky stadium uh, september 9th without a w we're gonna get it done that day as well the schedule takes a turn we take a trip to lincoln nebraska we take on the Nebraska Cornhuskers led by Matt Rule. And I think that this game and possibly the Toledo game are the two toughest games on the schedule as they are both away games and they're both in that first month of the season. So we're going to get two real litmus tests and two real measuring stick games. I'd say three because I'm calling, I'm, I'm going to say Boston College is a litmus test and a, a measuring stick game as well. But I think that us having to travel Toledo always presents its own mysteries. And I think that there's a little bit of variability in week one, right? Like you don't really know what you're going to get in week one of a college football season. It's never the exact same team that left the field the year before. So I could be completely wrong and we could look like shit on Saturday, or I could take a leap of faith, believe in the guys because I know the guys in that locker room and know their mental makeup and know what they're made of and know that they're not going to go into a week one game and get absolutely blown out. I think we're going to win. Not to backtrack, but to get back to Nebraska, this coming in week three I think works well for us. I think it gives us two weeks to kind of figure out who we are as a program, where we're at this season, and our identity going into that game. And I'm not going to say that it's a solidified win, but – there's no reason why we can't go into Lincoln, Nebraska and win that game. Obviously, the, I don't know, the more reasonable side of me says, you know, this is a team that, yeah, we could go 12-0, and but anything is possible if you think like that, right? I want to see us go 12-0, and but I think it'll be a little bit harder to come out of Lincoln, Nebraska with a win than it is to come out of uh, Boston College with a win. So I'll give, I'll give Nebraska the benefit of the doubt. But that will definitely change come week three. Uh, Tulsa travels to DeKalb for the second half of a home and home. Uh, September 23rd time is to be determined. Uh, we don't know what time that game will be. I'm assuming they'll try to push that more towards a night game, uh, as that is a, a good group of five matchup between two teams that played last year down to the wire. Uh, Tulsa beat us last year. I want to say it was like by five or four. So it was really close. We ended up not coming through on that drive to go ahead at the end of the game. I went for it on a fourth down, didn't catch it. All sorts of stuff happened, but it is what it is. I think Tulsa is a team that uh, if we caught them any other day earlier in the season last year, or we catch them this year. I think we beat them and we have that opportunity this year at home in DeKalb. I think we take care of business against Tulsa before we head on the road to open up Mac play Mac play starts against Toledo at the glass bowl, September 30th at two 30 Toledo's a conference champs, right? Last two conference champions in the Mac will be playing. And I think it's probably got to be the favorites to get back there this year, at least out of the West. Um, I think that, Winner of this game holds the upper hand for the remaining for the remaining weeks of MAC play. Obviously, 
it's only week one, still a lot of work has to be done, but it's always good to hold a tiebreaker over Toledo. And if you can get it done the first week of Mac play, why not? After that, we travel to Akron. So October 7th, another 2.30 kick, a lot of 2.30 kicks this season. Um, 2.30, 6 o'clock too as well. But we travel to Akron, take on Akron at Akron. One of those teams that a lot of success during my time as a student here and shortly in the time after. Akron's really not an academic institution that that makes me worry uh, from from an athletic standpoint. I think that you go do what you're supposed to do. I know it's on the road. It'll be a little bit tougher, but go beat Akron, start match and play 2-0, and you set up for another heavyweight matching game uh, when Ohio comes to town. Now, Ohio actually played this week in week zero, and Curtis Rourke went down. And even with Curtis Rourke hurt, they still hung with San Diego State for, I'd say, three and a half quarters. I think San Diego State ended up pulling away at the end, winning by 10. But Ohio is a great team. You saw how good they were down the stretch last year, a very high-scoring, high-potent offense when they have Rourke in there. So, Obviously, you want to wish good health for him and hope that he's able to make it back. It's just a week zero injury, but he wasn't able to return to the game. And the quarterback that took his place ended up throwing two interceptions. I like to think that if Rourke finished that game against San Diego State, they might have won. So the following week, we returned back to DeKalb for the first time in about a month. Uh, October 21st, we're back in DeKalb at Husky Stadium to take on Eastern Michigan. Really, there's no breaks in this schedule, right? Like, we're sitting here. I'm sitting here. It's not even September yet. We're in August as I'm recording this. But from September 2nd all the way until midweek action starts, there is no bye week. There actually is no bye week for this entire season. Now that I look at it, now that I get to the bottom half of this schedule. So, um, Coach Hammett call, refers to these as mini bye weeks. So, like the two points in the season where we have a mini bye week is October twenty first. We have obviously we have Eastern Michigan come to town, and then we don't play again until Central Michigan October thirty first at Central, and then November fourteenth Western Michigan comes to town, and November twenty fifth we take on Kent State. It's strange. I don't know if I can recall in 29 years of watching college football that there was no actual week-long period where we didn't have a game from, like, Saturday to Saturday where it's just like this is a bye week. But we have those two mini bye weeks where it's about a 10-day period, which makes my last statement make absolutely zero sense. But you guys understand what I'm trying to say. It's like there's no – designated bye week on this schedule. It's just we go from maction to ma- – like we go from regular play to maction, and then there's that 10-day period, which I'm assuming is around Thanksgiving. Yeah, November 14th to fi- the 25th. The 25th's got to be the last Wednesday or Tuesday before Thanksgiving, and we take on Kent State at Kent State. But back to Eastern Michigan, I mean, honestly – Let's let's just back to Eastern Michigan at home. They always play us tough. I think that in MAC play, we're prone to drop maybe one or two, but I don't think it's this one. I think that if there is ones that we may be prone to drop, it would be either Toledo or Central Michigan. Central Michigan also lost a lot this year, so I don't know. It could shake up. Like I said – I was of all the seasons that I've done the show, I was probably as least involved in the off season process um, in years past that I could remember. Uh, and that's on me. Obviously I had a lot going on. So there's really no, I'm not gonna say there's no excuse for it, but it's just, I didn't have the time to do my normal off season with all the interviews and talking to the coaches and, and pro day and all that stuff. So or not pro day, um, media day, but it is what it is. We're going to get caught up. We're going to get up to speed 
and we're going to get through this season and hopefully finish it in Detroit and somewhere tropical with a bowl win because that's what the goal will be at the end of the season. But Eastern Michigan at home, home field advantage. I think that this year is an interesting year um, for attendance, right? It is the a year that we could be successful, and I think that it's it's bullshit that people only come when we win. But I just think that there is an exciting product on the field this year. You got receivers. You got Rukowitz. You got Rudolph. You get Miles Joyner back. Tristan Tavis made a huge step last year in the offense. And you have a solidified star in college football in Rocky Lombardi at the quarterback position. You know what I'm saying? Like, this offense will have zero problems scoring points throughout the season. It's going to come down to the growth that the defense makes and Coach Benedetto, uh, the adjustments that he makes with the, with the personnel that he has. But I got sidetracked there. Give me a dub at home against Eastern Michigan. And honestly, we're not losing a conference play. I know I said there could, there could be a few that we're prone to drop, but looking at the schedule for what it is, I think that the ceiling is 12 and up. I'm an asshole. I believe. I always come on this show and I talk about how hope is a hell of a drug when it comes to sports. But you can't sit here and tell me that with what you saw in the Magic in 2021 and even the Magic in 18 and many of the other years that we've we've gone on and, and done, done the damn thing and won the Mac, that why not us is the mentality that we have to have this year. Now, I think that the floor for this team is somewhere around seven and five and six and six, but it's maxion, baby. That's why we tune in week in and week out. There's going to be some games, you know, I say this on my Notre Dame podcast. Um, I don't do the Bears one anymore, but I would say it, but the Bears lose every game, so they're always supposed to lose. But there's going to be some games or maybe a game or two on this schedule that in theory we're favorite, we look better on paper, and maybe that day comes and we just don't have what we what we need and we don't get it done. And there's also going to be a couple games like Nebraska and like Boston College and maybe Toledo on the road where we're going to be on paper maybe the, the underdog or the team that isn't expected to the win and we're going to come away with a win that day. That's the beautiful part about college football. And I think that the team that Coach Hammock has built into Cal throughout his tenure there is indicative on the type of football that he wants to play, right? We build the team inside out. He always talks about how he needs a strong offensive line and a good front seven on defense, and we're going to be able to run the football and play good defense because the weather is going to be a factor come, coming down the stretch in the season. And one of my favorite quotes of his is that, you know, if you play good defense and you run the football well, that always travels. doesn't matter where you are. You can play on the moon for, for all we care. That type of football always plays. And I'm looking for a huge year out of Ontario Brown. Harrison Way Lee transfers out. Uh, Jaden Cradle transfers out. And it's all going to be – I'm not going to say it's all going to rest on Ontario Brown, but because they did bring in Gavin Williams from Iowa. But – is getting his first real crack at being running back 1A. And, and I honestly don't think anyone will be disappointed. The kid runs with a tenacity and with just a violent nature to him. And I think that with Ontario Brown in the backfield, Rocky at quarterback, you got Rudolph and Rukowitz at the two receiver spots. And then you know we run a lot of two tight end personnel, throw Joyner and Tavis in there. It could be – you know, maybe I'm wrong on the depth chart. I'll end up seeing uh, later on in the week uh, if I'm able to get to the press conference this week. But And then, too, I haven't even talked about any of the offensive linemen. You got Nolan Potter. You got Logan Schernitz. You got J.J. Lippy. You do lose Marcus Cox to Kentucky. But I just – there aren't very many holes on this offense, and I think that this is a team that's going to average north of 30 points a game. Maybe 28, but – Maybe 28, but I don't see 
why this team can't average north of 30 points a game this season. It's going to come down to how our defense adjusts. And in the games that maybe our offense doesn't have it, can they keep us in it? You know, the cornerback position is going to be a huge question mark uh, going into this season. I think that maybe you'll see some of the guys like Muhammad Jamey, Louis Fry, some of these young corners and young defensive backs that Coach Hammock has spoke highly of when they were playing on the compete team or even when they were getting looks last season because we did play a lot of young guys last season. Uh, you do lose a lot at the linebacker position as well. You lose Nick Bertin, you lose Kyle Pugh, um, and on the line you lose Michael Kennedy. But I think Devontae O'Malley, James Astor, DeMond Taylor, like all those guys up front are more than capable of taking care of business. And I think that if you look at our defense last year, right, the defensive line was actually the strength. And I think that in those short yardage situations, in those predictable run situations, you could count on James Esther and you could count on Devontae O'Malley to get back there and make a play. And uh, one thing too, that I'm really uh, just intrigued and excited about is, is Joey routine. So we lose Nick routine, we get Joey routine. So the neck roll doesn't fall far from the linebacker. And we get his brother, who has played with us here in the past, but more in a special teams role. But I'm I'm interested to see what his new role looks like and if he's a thumper like his older brother was. And I'm hoping he is. I, I mean, honestly, I'm just going to say he probably is. Um, I look forward to seeing his growth. Um, the secondary, like I said, is, is going to be testing at times. But – you have to remember the strength in our secondary relies in the safety position. So you have CJ Brown back there. You have Jordan Hansen back there. You have guys back there that have the experience that have made the plays that have caused the turnovers that can also come down and lay the boom too. Not just guys that are going to stay back and play the pass and just be the last line of defense. Like they have no problem coming down and laying a couple hits. You do also lose um, – you do also lose Daverne Rainier to Kentucky as well. But I, I don't know. There's really – there's nothing you can do about it, right? Like, and these are guys that I've both had on the show, Marcus and Daverne. They both end up going to Kentucky. And you can really just root for them, right? Because you do realize, like, college football is in a tiered system where it's like, no matter which way you look at Kentucky and the SEC are better than the Mac and NIU. So if players from our school can go to these bigger schools, while it does hurt us in the immediate time, like we have to replace them, we're not going to find a player of their caliber. It does help us in a sense that it makes us look like a more respectable program from a recruiting standpoint. And I don't know. I mean, Coach Hammock has, has shot us straight in a sense that we could be looked at as a developmental program with college football continuing on the route that it is, right? Like maybe we're not going to have the same guys like a Jordan Lynch where we get them for four years, but, you know, we end up with guys for a couple years and they go on to a different school or we get guys in like Clint and like Rocky and like, uh, and like Casper Rukowitz where, they were at a different school. They come here, and they have a better time here than they did at the past school. I don't know. The transfer portal is weird. The new era of college football is weird. But you have to be able to deal with your top players leaving for a better opportunity. But it was actually just announced this morning, Jaden Dolphin, the Dolph man, was named captain. One of the captains, not like the captain, but one of the defensive captains. And I think that his – growth and maturity from a player that played in the secondary to move down in the box, you know, gain the necessary physical tools, whether it be strength, the weight that he had to put on to go down there and be a thumper in the box. And, and two, also the leadership, the guy I, I've seen him grow over just the last few years to become a great leader on this team. So I really, I'm actually really happy for Jaden for him to get the captain spot. And I'm hoping that, Another guy, too, that we talked about here in the past, Nick Alvarado. Uh, he was a true freshman last year, 
but if you watch the physicality that this guy played with, this is this is like a, a Bobby Boucher type player, right? Like he is just a thumper. He is the quickest guy sideline to sideline. He's going to make you make sure you don't run his way the next time you're in the area. But defensively, it's going to come down to cohesiveness as a unit. They have to move as one unit. It can't just be every unit for themselves. It has to be they fire on all cylinders together. They play as one unit, and they just go out there and get stops, one play at a time. If you get beat deep, short-term memory loss. It's a 60-minute game. You can't go 12 games, 60 minutes each game, and not allow people to score through you. It's the Mac. Points will be scored, and a hell of a lot of them. But we have to be able to find enough stops week in and week out and enough turnovers. And I think that the turnovers, well, while we didn't have a great defense last year, the turnovers were better than the year before. I think turnovers, controlling the field position game, and just getting off the field on third down are going to be of the utmost importance to this young unit. It's going to be a very young secondary, and there's going to be some some learning there's going to be some growing pain moments, I should say. But the way I look at it is is that the offense week in and week out is going to be able to give you 28 to 30, maybe sometimes 40 or even 50 points, depending on the opponent. Like Southern Illinois, hanging 40 or 50 on them. That's just what's going to happen. But there will be other games, you know, the games like against Nebraska, the games against Boston College, Toledo. These games, points are going to be harder to come by. And we're going to have to have our defense not let us down in those moments. Special teams is something that over the years has been a good unit. Um, obviously, we had John Richardson for a while, but now it's it's Cannon Wadil. It's Cannon Wadil and Tom Foley at kicker and punter. Um, Foley had been here for a few years. Wadil shared snaps with Richardson his last year. Richardson was going through his stuff. Uh, his confidence stuff, and he was also partially injured. So we've seen both of these guys uh, over the past few years. So I expect the status quo from them. Go out there, keep the ball in between the sidelines on the kicks, and just hammer your field goals. When it comes time for punt team, hopefully we don't have to punt a lot this year, but Foley has an absolute missile attached to his leg. So I don't think special teams will pose too many issues for us this year. And then, too, you know, we talk about Trayvon Rudolph coming back. He's definitely going to take a couple to the house this year. Like, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Like, Trayvon Rudolph will find his way into the end zone, whether it's a punt or a kick, more than once this season. You can come back and clip that. I promise you it's going to happen. And other than that, like, it's one of the better teams that we've seen preseason in the last five years, they were picked third by the Mac media uh, in the West and just a lot of talking heads and accounts on social and stuff like that have all like I've seen betting accounts talk about NIU 18 to one is a great value play. I've just seen people talking about, you know, don't forget about NIU. Don't forget about NIU. They had, they, we thrive the most in these situations where we're kind of counted out. And I'm not going to say that being chosen third in the preseason poll is us being counted out, but the years that we're picked first to finish, we definitely don't finish first. So find a way to go one and oh each week. It's a schedule that is conducive to a winning season. And I think that it's a season that should end in Detroit should end in Detroit with an opportunity to hoist the uh, the MAC championship trophy, and I think it's honestly the last year that the championship is in Detroit. I think it's getting moved to Ohio, which is just awful. But that's another story for another day. I just think that with Rocky at quarterback, as long as he stays healthy, the sky's the limit for this team. I don't, I don't like. We saw what we could do with Rocky as as quarterback in twenty twenty one, and with the Defense that really wasn't that great. The defense was more of a situational defense and a defense that can make plays in a moment. 
but they weren't overall like like a great unit, a unit that you can sit back and say was like an all-time NIU defense. I think the thing that I always talk about too with college football defenses is you can still be a good defense and give up about 24 points a game. It's college football. It's not the NFL. Points will be scored week in and week out. That's just the name of the game. You know what I'm saying? Like a good college defense will have a little bit of different stats than an NFL defense. So let's just say, but if we end up giving up 24 points per game, like that's not the end of the world. It's once you start getting closer to 30, it's like now we're asking the offense to go out there and get 35, 40 points a week. That's just not a conducive way to running a winning football program. But I think that Coach D. Benedetto, with a year in the lab, a year to just maybe try out new personnel, try out different, four, you know, four, three, three, four, different stuff like that. It's going to be a better product on the defensive side of the ball this year than it was last year. And I look forward to seeing the growth that they made. But let's get into this Boston College game. So, haven't looked at really any of the numbers recently, but like I said, I think we were like 17 point underdogs coming into this game. And I already know the FBI is going to give us like a 2% chance to win this game because they're just assholes. But college football is, they didn't even, they didn't even honor week zero on ESPN. Unbelievable. But first game of the day, Saturday, ACC Network, which is, that's annoying. Uh, Going to have to find a way to watch this game because I don't even know if I have ACC Network, but we will find out. Um, and also, too, I'm going to reel back to uh, the beginning of the show when we were talking about all the different matchups. I did forget that we got absolutely thumped by Akron last year. There's zero chance we lose against them this year. We're not. That's a revenge game this year. But, wow, the line... Okay, yeah, I was way off on the line. The line's minus nine and a half for Boston College, and the over-under is 52. If the line is minus nine and a half, then note, uh, the Northern Illinois' money line for this game is probably like plus 350, plus 400. Still very bettable in my opinion. Um, I think that if you are out of state and you are you know looking to bet on this game, Wait for all the square money to come in on Boston College and for them to push that line uh, over 10 to about 10 and a half because nine and a half is a it's not a football number for the underdog. It's a football number for the favorite, right? Win by 10, you win your bet. But say we lose by 10, we give them, give them everything we got. You, you know, you think you're going to win your bet, you lose by the hook. And uh, in a matchup like this, I think that the quote-unquote sharps, people that I was making fun of every week uh, in 2021 when we were knocking their team off or whatever team that they bet on off, will probably try to gravitate towards Boston College in this spot. Um, It's a power five versus a group of five. I don't think anyone on this earth outside of the people in that locker room and maybe in in other Mac schools know that Rocky's coming back. And I think that that's – that's worth at least a couple more wins. That's worth at least a couple more points on the scoreboard week in and week out. And uh, honestly, fuck it. Keep the points. We're not losing this week. So take the money line if you're in out-of-state better. And I think that, yeah, the FPI has us at a 29% chance to win. I would put that more around 40. I think it's more like 65, 35, 60, 40, something like that. I don't think Boston College is that far ahead of us um, as a program. They are a lower ACC team, and the ACC is not necessarily the greatest program. I think the key to this game is this is going to be a hammock special. This is going to be one of the games that he comes into. We're going to take the ball to start the game. We're going to try We're going to look to score a touchdown on that first drive. We're going to look to take about seven or eight minutes with us, and we're going to look to re- recreate that every time we get back on the field. I think that it's like boa constrictor ball, right? It's bully ball. It's We're just going to get three yards in a cloud of dust. We're going to continue to move the sticks. And every now and then, too, but you know what? Every now and then I'd like to see them take a shot. You have your deep ball guy in, in Trayvon Rudolph back, Casper Rukowitz, 
is another guy that you can look to to attack with the deep ball. And I think that Rocky's the type of guy that he's, you know, he'll sneak up on you, right? Because you have to you have to stay honest because he can run the football. I don't know if he'll run the football as much this season uh, with the injury um, from last season, but Rocky's an athlete. He gets in space. He knows that he has to get out of the pocket and start running. He'll he'll bulldoze you. He'll get five, six yards. He'll be able to make a play. So I look forward to seeing a balanced attack. But I think it'll be like almost like what I think the FBI should be. I think it'll be more 60-40 in favor of run than pass. And I think that it's going to be short passes leading up to that shot play right leading up to that 58 yard touchdown pass from Rocky to Trayvon Rudolph because I don't know I'm thinking yeah yeah Boston College will probably know of of Trey but maybe they'll underestimate him a little bit right he didn't play last year they don't have enough film on him whatever it may be or maybe they're more focused on Casper stopping the run but we do have a good one-two punch at receiver. And then if you just go down a little bit in the in the depth chart, there's a couple other guys that you would expect to be able to make, I guess you would say, that next step in their career, right? So Billy Dozier is a guy that we've talked about a lot over the last few years, someone that spent a little bit of time at running back but is still listed as a receiver. I think that's a guy that – he could be like our trick play guy, right? Like the guy that we do the end arounds for, um, a guy for the slip screen, stuff like that. Like I think Billy is one of those guys that you can run a lot of his routes around the line of scrimmage, and he will go out and get the yards after the catch for you. A couple other names um, just to keep in mind because the receiving room is very young. Uh, Eli Reed, Kishon Pipkin, Trey Erweiler, who's been – a, a special team stalwart. Maybe he'll get some more opportunities uh, in the receiver room. And Isaiah Bragg. Obviously, uh, you lose Cole Tucker. Those are big shoes to fill. And Cole's doing very well. He's over there in Calgary playing for the Stampeders. He was a number four overall pick in the CFL draft. So it's it's always great to see the pride and joy of DeKalb, Illinois, go on to success uh, in the football world after and after he leaves NIU. But we do have big big shoes to fill. And I think that getting Trayvon Rudolph back helps a lot. And honestly, like, I said this to Casper when I saw him. I saw him at Fatty's. Uh, I was doing an event over the summer for the radio station that I work at, and it was after his highlight reel got released for the season. And his highlight reel is interesting in the sense that there are no two consecutive plays in that highlight reel that share the same quarterback. So it'll be like, play where Rocky's the quarterback or a play where Ethan is the quarterback or a play where Nevin is the quarterback, but it always changes. And one thing that always stayed the same was our ability to be able to count on Casper in any situation last year. And I think that's a guy that has grown and has matured a lot just in this offense since he got on campus. And honestly, I trust him on third down, fourth down, whatever it may be. And, I think that Rocky trusts him that same that same level. Um, running back position, it's going to be the Ontario Brown show, and then I think a little bit after that, uh, you'll have you'll have Gavin Williams, who, like I said earlier in the show, is the transfer from Iowa, probably be the number two back, and they did move Justin Lynch to running back. So it was a running joke between us and or between me and the other reporters last year was like. Are they ever going to let Justin Lynch throw the ball? Like his brother is the most decorated player in all of NIU football history and will always be the most decorated. Like I don't think there will ever be anybody else that did what Jordan Lynch did for NIU. And I'd have to look at the stats, but I think Justin attempted two whole passes last year and he played a lot of snaps at quarterback, but they, they stopped the inevitable. They moved him to running back. I think, Wonderful opportunity for him, right? Because if you look at Jordan Lynch's career, when Jordan Lynch went to the NFL, when he went to the Bears, even though it was only preseason, he ended up playing running back as well. So I think 
let's make the best out of what we got with Justin Lynch. He'll be, I, I don't know, if, he should be a better running back than what they offered him at quarterback, at least the way they were playing him at quarterback. And let's get some carries to him. I think he'd be a good short yardage guy. Um, I'd be curious to see how he is catching passes out of the backfield. But one thing that you can't count on is that as a quarterback, he's going to be one of the smartest backs that we have on this team. So that's always something that you have to keep in mind. Uh, as, as a natural quarterback playing running back, he's going to know a little bit more than what your average running back would when he's sitting behind Rocky. Um, but for this game, time of possession will be huge. The, the field position battle will be huge. Holding on to the football and winning the turnover battle will be huge. But at the end of the day, like I said at the beginning of the show, if we go into Boston College and play our game, we play Northern Illinois football, we do what we're supposed to do, there is no reason why we can't win this football. There's no reason. And I think that it would be – I saw. I think I saw Nick – uh, Nick Berzia said it on Twitter the other day. He's getting like he said he was getting like Georgia Tech vibes, and I actually said the same thing to Ethan uh, about a week or two ago. Like this has the same feel as that Georgia Tech game, right? ACC opponent, road game, team that yeah they're a Power Five, but they're not a good Power Five by any stretch. Like they're a team that's in a a transitional phase right now, and. A team that is prone to a boneyard victory. I think we could go in there. It's not going to be pretty. It'll probably be uh, a white-knuckle affair, a game where you're on your feet for every third, every fourth down. I know I will be. But I think it stays under the number of 52. I say that, but the, our defense isn't. At least the, the defense from the past few years is not an under defense. Okay, I'm not going to say that. I'm going to we're going to retract that statement. I'm going to go I'm going to say 31 to 28. So that's that's more than 52 by my calculation. It's like about 59, but I think that we find points early. We take a lead early, take a lead into the half and just control this game from the very outset. Make sure that they know that yeah, this is Northern Illinois like we we did not expect this when they got off that bus, right? We did not expect them to come in to our home field in week one and punch us in the mouth. Every opportunity to go out there and be great for this team is there. You have the non-conference schedule that, yeah, we don't have like a Michigan on there, which is fine. I don't ever want to see Michigan again, but – I don't think there's any blowouts on this schedule. I don't think we get blown out once. If we lose any games this season, they will be close games. And what better way than to start the 2023 campaign in Boston College or at Boston College with a win before you take on a team that you're definitely going to beat in Southern Illinois. Um, but yeah, 31 to 28 seems about right. I think that this is a game that will be exciting all four quarters, I think that we will ultimately get a game-winning drive or a game-winning field goal and never forget the first time that I predicted this, John Richardson hit the game-winning field goal against Ball State. But I think that 31-28 to 28 seems about right for the score. On the offensive side of the ball, for my player of the game, who am I going to go with this week, right? Ooh, this is tough. Because I do think that – okay, so I'm going to say it this way. I think statistically, Ontario Brown has to have the best game. I think 100-yard game, touchdown, maybe two. But I think cerebrally and from just a, a mental standpoint, Rocky's the most important, right? I think that the, the decision-making, right, holding on to the football – cannot fall behind in the in the turnover margin. And I think, too, that X factor that it's Rocky's first game back, right? It's against a Power 5 opponent, so you know the NFL scouts will be there. You know it's a big game on on because he went out right in the Kentucky-Vanderbilt stretch last year, so he didn't get those games in front of the NFL scouts. And I know the NFL scouts do come to some of the MAC games or some of the other non-conference games, 
they will be at a Boston, at least the New England Patriots and those Northeastern teams will be at the Boston College game. And Rocky is a quarterback that, yes, I understand he is 25 years old. He is a senior citizen to be entering the NFL draft, but he does have the talent to play at the next level. So I think I'll go, I'll go twofold for offense, but I think the two most important players are going to be Rocky and Ontario. Ontario over a hundred yards on the ground. He will at least find the end zone once, I think maybe twice. Rocky, 250 total yards of offense, three total touchdowns. Could find one on the ground, couple in the air, but Rocky, like Rocky and Ontario are going to play a big role in what we do out there on Saturday to come back with a win. On the defensive side of the ball, I think you got to go. You got to go to the main man up front, right? You have to go to the best player on the defense, the captain, the guy, the single-digit defensive lineman. You know, it's a sign of respect in college football. You know who I'm going with with this one, but I'm going James Esther. I think James Esther and the defensive line, throw guys like Devontae O'Malley in there, they control what we're going to be able to do on the defensive side of the ball this game. I think if we can pin our ears back and get a good pass rush and be able to show the ability to stop the run early in the game and make them one-dimensional, yes, we do have a very young secondary, and and we could be vulnerable. Our secondary could get smoked for all I know. But, boy, will it be great to see Esther and O'Malley and Taylor and, and blitzing linebackers like, like Alvarado and Routine get in there and make plays and – Get off the field. Like I said, I don't think this is a Northern Illinois team that will have any issues scoring points throughout the season. Maybe I'm a little too optimistic saying we're going to get 31 week one on the road against the Power Five, but I can see it happening, man. I really can. Defensively, in order for us to win this game, we have to keep them under the 30 point threshold. That's just how, that's where I'm at. Sounds like Magic Johnson math. We have 31, they have 30, we win the game. But if we allow Boston College to get up to like 35, 38, 41, 42, then we're in trouble. Okay, so we have to keep them, I'd say, I'd say, let's say 24, 21, 27 points. That's, those are all winnable numbers in my eyes for us to win this game. Um, defensively, though, it's it's a crapshoot. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, I haven't been to the press conference yet this week. I'm doing this early Monday. It'll be available late Monday um, afternoon and early Tuesday and for the rest of the week. But I really don't know what they'll run. I watched quite a few of their games last year, and from what I saw, uh, they love the short passing game. They love, you know, this little slant routes, the little dig routes, the ins, the outs, all that, all that, like, little – Rinky-dink bullshit is what I like to call it. But they don't have the same quarterback. Phil Dracovic transferred to Pitt, uh, a guy that I actually met. He's a former Notre Dame transfer, so he's now in his third school. But it would be a totally different ballgame if we were preparing for Phil Dracovic because he does have an NFL-caliber arm. So fortunately for us, we won't have to see him. But I just think that offensively I do know they're a pro style offense or have been in the past. So it's not going to be like a spread them out for receiver set every time. Like there will be some two or three receiver sets, some 21, 22 personnel or 11 personnel, stuff like that. Like they'll, they'll probably try to bully us. They'll try to out physical us or, or outman us. But I think that coach Junie is one of the best strength coaches in the nation. I'd run through a brick wall for Coach Judy, and I know he's had those guys in the weight room going crazy this offseason. So I'm hoping that they came back bigger, faster, and stronger and ready to take on those Power 5 guys in the trenches. And uh, one thing, too, that has has really plagued us over the last few years is open field tackling. I think that this is a game that you cannot have the arm tackles. If you can get 10 hats on the ball, get 10 hats on the ball. There's no reason why – we should be letting these guys run through arm tackles or, or getting bulldozed over. I think that form tackling is something that I hope that was worked extensively in the off season. And 
especially for our players in the secondary, those young defensive backs. But you do know that, you know, you'll get some booms from O'Malley. You'll get some booms from Asher. You'll get some booms from C.J. Brown and Hanson and, and Alvarado and, and Jane Dolphin. But it, I just worry about this secondary. Um, obviously, you know, Zay Flowers, we have to worry about. He's over with the Baltimore Ravens right now. So maybe they have another young wide receiver that they've been leaning on in the past few years that will come up and make plays for them. But it's a relatively unknown pregame for me. And, and for that, I do apologize. But yeah, like I said, if I lived in a state that wasn't Illinois, my money's on NIU. I got 31 to 28 offensive side of the ball. Rocky and Ontario control our destiny. And on the defensive side of the ball, I think it all comes down to our guy, James Esther, up front. And James Esther, too. This is a guy that has NFL aspirations. And by by any means, like, I, I think he's an NFL-quality player. Um, go out there and have the game of your life on Saturday, man, against Boston College on the road, Power 5 opponents. You know there's going to be scouts there. You know it's week one, and you're a captain now, man. Like, that's one thing, too. Like, this is a guy that – could have been a captain his very first year here. Like, this is a guy that just exemplifies everything about the hard way that you want to see. And there's no one that I would rather follow into battle if I was on the defensive side of the ball than James Esther. So find a way to win a football game on Saturday. Get to 1-0 and just have fun out there, right? Like, football is supposed to be fun. Playing on the road against a team that everyone's writing us off against how awesome would it be to get back on that on that plane after the game with that giant boneyard with the score at Boston College, September 2nd, 2023, etched onto it and throw it into the into the new new part of the facility, which they upgraded the facilities in the offseason. I actually am really excited now to get to the next press conference to take a look at all that stuff because I'm a sports nerd. I like all that kind of stuff. And hopefully, um, when I show up for the press conference there for Southern Illinois, there will be another bone in the boneyard. But I did pose a question on Twitter, um, just kind of saying, hey, we're going to be recording our first episode of the new season. And we asked uh, if there was any questions. And we did actually get a lot of feedback, about five or six questions. So we'll we'll go ahead and go through them. But the first one is from my brother, actually, Jonda. And he said, game you're most looking forward to and breakout player prediction. So the game that I have circled on the schedule, I would say, is that Nebraska game? I think that Nebraska, yeah, obviously the players that were at Nebraska last time when we beat them are no longer there. Maybe they got like one guy hanging around with the COVID years and all that, but I doubt it. Um, and I just, I really want to see that one. And, and I'll, I'll go Boston college close second. And we'll just say Tulsa third because, you know, Tulsa, the way it finished last year, it was not ideal. And I know you you know I was very mad about how that game finished. But, yeah, I think Nebraska is the one that I'm looking forward to the most. That's the game where there's going to be 100,000 people. You're going up against Matt Rule, uh, who's in his first year in the program. I think a year, if there was any year to catch Matt Rule vulnerable, it is this year. And that's the game that I most look forward to for breakout player. This is an interesting one, but I'm going to try and stick with someone. I'm going to go up underclass, like underclass, and maybe someone that we haven't seen here make that big of an impact here in the past. But, ooh, actually, I'll do one on each side of the ball. So for the defensive side of the ball, we've seen spurts right like we've seen plays we haven't seen too much of them we've seen a little bit of them on special teams and here and there but I think that from what I gathered Ja'Shawn Prophet's going to be one of the starting two corners right and I think that he is due for a year right like because you're you're thrust into the starting lineup and it's sink or swim right if you if you sink coach Hammock's going to bench you right but if you swim Coach Hammock will lean on you. Look at how we leaned on Jordan Gandy over the last few years. We need someone to fill those shoes. I'm going to roll with Deshaun Profit on defense. And then on offense, offense, I am going to say Gavin Williams. Um, shouldn't come as a surprise that I'm picking a player that transferred in from Iowa to be a breakout player this year. But 
that's the nature of college football in the landscape that we have right now. He wasn't maybe getting the snaps that he thought he should at Iowa or the playing time that he should. So he came down to NIU, which may be a little bit more willing to give him playing time in the snaps that he wasn't getting at Iowa. I think that, you know, anytime you get a back of his size, right, 5'11", 209 at this level, it's going to be a handful to tackle. And I think that the one-two punch, if it is Ontario Brown, and it it does end up being Gavin Williams, we're going to see a lot of carries from him this year, and we're going to need upwards of – I don't know, is dare I say four or 500 yards and maybe five touchdowns, at least three from him, because you know it's never a one-back show for Coach Hammock. So I'll say Gavin Williams on offense, and then on the defensive side of the ball, Deshaun Prophet at cornerback. Uh, the next question comes from David Cruz. After Rudolph, who should we who should we be seeing catching passes this year? Uh, the easy answer for me is going to be Casper Rukowitz, Tra- or I was about to say Trayvon again. Casper Rukowitz, Tristan Tavis, Miles Joyner. Um, I think that some of the other receivers that I mentioned, guys like Isaiah Bragg, can be uh, expected to to make some receptions here this year and make some big plays. Guys like Billy Dozier, um, Jalen Johnson, Dale, or Dane Partridge, and then, yeah, Kashawn Pipkin. And I think, too, if you look at all the receivers that we have, so we have a couple guys – I say three guys, four actually. Actually, no, fuck it. We have five guys that Coach Hammock has picked at the receiver position that are 6'2 or above. So Sean Pipkin, Davis Patterson, Jalen Johnson, and Grayson, Grayson Barnes and Kobe Askew. So Askew's 6'2, Barnes is 6'5, which is ridiculous. Like, throw it up and get him the ball. I don't care where we're at on the field. Jalen Johnson, 6'3. Patterson 6'4", and Pipkin 6'2". Now, if you watch football, you know all defensive backs are basically my height. Like, every defensive back, it's it could say they're 5'11 on the roster, but they're actually 5'8". Like, no defensive back is tall. They don't grow 6'2", trees on, or 6'2 corners on trees, like I always say. So, to have some receivers with some size, I think should play to our benefit this year. But we also have the small guys. The smaller guys like Billy, uh, like Trayvon Rudolph, like... Eli Reed or Casper Rukowicz, where they are 5'8", 5'10", and, and they're only 180 pounds, but they're so fast, and they're just so shifty. So we have a very diverse wide receiver room where you got a little bit of everything. you got the possession guys. you got the speed guys. you got the slot guys. It's just a, a matter of whose day it is that Saturday or that Wednesday. So I think that a lot of unproven guys, but guys that just fit the mold of the receivers that you want in your program – available for us this year to make plays. John S. Or John S. NIU Husky 2021. He has two questions. So he has, do we know what happened with tight end Miles Joyner? I know he has been injured most of his two years at NIU, but since transferring in, I thought there was an expectation he would be back this season. Did he medically retire? From what I understand, uh, Miles is back this year. I could be wrong, but I will, I will get back to you. Um, on that when I get back out to a facility or when I see Miles next. Um, and then he also had a second one. Is the new linebacker transfer from Virginia Tech, Keyshawn Artis, playing this season? Seems like he hasn't been talked about in any of the post-practice or linebacker position preview articles. From the roster that I have listed on ESPN, he is in, oh, he's listed. He's listed there, six foot, 246. I mean, shit, I would hope that he's he's able to play. I would hope that he's ready to play because the last two years has been – we've lost every linebacker we had. We had Lance, he's gone. Kyle, he's gone. Nick Routine, he's gone. Deverne Rainier, he's gone. Like, all we have left is Jaden Dolphin, and he's a converted secondary player. You know what I'm saying? And, and – Jaden's actually 220 this year, so shout out him for packing on more muscle. Um, you got Jake Gassaway at the linebacker position, Ryan King, um, you know, Philip Barnes, who's a little bit undersized. I think he was actually a corner before, but I could be wrong. Nate Rubel, Quinn Erweiler, like there are it's relatively unknown, I'll say, at the linebacker. 
position. But if this guy is healthy and he's listed on ESPN, I would assume that he probably slots into one of those starting linebacker positions just based off of who he is coming from Virginia tech, six, six feet, two forty six. Like that's a, that's a D one football player at the linebacker position. If I ever seen one, our friends over at the college sport pod, I uh, ask, what is the floor and the ceiling for this year? Alex over there says he's, he sees them having as good of a season as a nine win season and as bad as a five. win. Alex, I can't remember which um, Mac team you support, but um, if you are listening, you do know I love my I love my NIU Huskies, and I did say at the top of the show, ceiling is twelve and zero, baby. That's not what you knew. You knew I was going to say that, right? Twelve and zero. Um, realistic ceiling, I'd say about I'd say about ten wins. I'd say realistic ceiling, my non NIU Husky brain saying we can win every week. I'd say about ten wins, and I'd say uh, the the floor is six. I think no matter which way you look at it, this is a team that will get to a bowl game. Um, hell, I even think, you know, if we have a similar year to last year where we're even losing players left and right and have a lot of injuries, I still think that this team somehow finds a way to get to six and six um, and, and gets to a bowl game and ends the bowl drought. We're actually the longest. I might have to fact check this. I'm going to fact check this real quick. It's not the longest drought, but the last time we won a bowl game was 2012. So it's been 10 years. The last time we won a bowl game, I couldn't even have a drink at a bar. So there's that for you. Goals for this season, right? Win the MAC, obviously. That goes without being said. Win the West, get to Detroit, win the MAC, win a bowl game. And I think two, maybe two, three players in the NFL or or just two, three players since we have all these other leagues too. I'd say you have CFL, XFL, USFL, NFL. The arena stuff starting to come back full swing. Let's get three players to the next level. I think just off the top of my head, I could say Rocky, James Esther. Let's find that third guy. Third guy some, somewhere on that roster, somewhere for an NFL team, just waiting for him. But with that being said, um, we, touched, we, we touched on everything. I know I said at the beginning of the show it was my least involved offseason, and I do apologize, but now we're back. I'll be back at press conferences. Like I said, we're looking to lock in the day over at Fatty's for the live show this year in and we'll be doing regular interviews when we do go to press conferences with the other players throughout the week. Um, but football season is back. This is my favorite time of the year. You guys all know I needed it pretty much like I need the air to breathe. I said Rocky for off- Rocky and Ontario for the offensive players of the game. James Esther on the defensive side of the ball. 31-28 to 28 for my score prediction this weekend against Boston College. And then – I think we actually skipped over one last question. I'm an asshole. I'm terrible at this, but oh yeah. So the final question actually comes from T A K Poli Moraes Trent is his name. He said the defense has been underwhelming to say the least under the Hammock regime. Can we expect more this year? If so, what would it look like? So. Kind of what I said earlier in the year, I don't think that we're going to make that jump to be like a top unit in the nation overnight. But if we can have a defense that is able to get off the field, allows 24 or less points a game, and I'll say let's just get a turnover a game. Let's get find 12 turnovers this season. Average at least one turnover a game, but not just average one. Get at least a turnover every game. I think that would be a good spot for our defense to be in. And then, like I said, uh, offensive player, the the offensive players of the game going into this game are going to be Rocky and Ontario Brown. And then on the defensive side of the football, I'm going to be looking towards James Esther and that defensive line to set the tempo and – just lay the foundation for this defense for this season. My score prediction was 31 to 28. And like I said, my ceiling for this team is undefeated, baby. 
and my floor is six and six. But I really do appreciate you guys' patience with me, obviously, not having a show uh, for a while. And I appreciate all the support um, through the toughest time of my life, man. So I'm going to get through this. Um, and I look forward to getting out, getting back out to Husky Stadium, getting back out to Fatties and just doing the things um, that make me and my mom happy. And she, I know she's looking over us. I know she's looking over the team uh, this year. There was one video that I had from her in the past that I, like, couldn't find scouring her Facebook. That was, like, she got, like, 40,000 pictures and videos on there, like a total Facebook mom. But – um, when she was going through her battle in 2021, she was like her third battle with cancer. This was her second one when they were going through the, the MAC championship run was the first year that we did the show. So she met all the guys and you know, she always asked about them. And the night before they went to Detroit, she made like a two minute, like I should say hype video, but it was like a pep talk. And if I do ever find that, um, I will play that for you guys one day because it'll bring you to tears because just the type of woman that she was. But she loved Husky football. She lo Well, I shouldn't just say that. She loved whatever teams we love. So, like, you know, you get her out to a game. She's rooting. She's cheering. We took her to two um, the last few years. But she loved, uh, she loved coming out to Fatties, supporting the guys at the show, and she loved coming out to see them on Saturdays play the games. And I know there's nothing that she would love more than for them to go out there on Saturday and go find a way to win a football game. But with that being said, this was another episode of Huskies on tap. I really do appreciate you for, for joining us on this week's show. We're back, baby. We're going to be back to a couple weeks or a couple shows a week. Um, by my calculations, if we do do the live show, it'll be about three shows a week. We're going to find a way to get through this season, get back to Detroit hopefully give the guys a nice business trip at the end of the season. But no matter which way the season goes, I'm going to be here every step of the way, player interviews, coach interviews, my thoughts and my insights. And I think one thing that we're going to try to do this year too is I want to try and have a couple fans of the show and fans of the team on. So if you're a fan of the show um, that would be interested in, in coming on and talking NIU football with me, so I'm not just talking to myself for a half hour you're always more than welcome. But with that being said, I got nothing else for you guys. Huskies by a thousand, as mama would always say. And go Huskies. Yeah. I got drinks of living lavish in the kitchen whipping magic. I got drinks of living lavish in the kitchen whipping magic. Bad bitch, bad habits. We got London on the track. I ain't asked now for nothing. I took the heart away. 12 put me over, coming with it. The, they took my heart away. Heart away. Heart away. Heart away. Jumping in heart away.